It's time for Watch and Learn, the show where we discuss the life lessons we learn from the movies we watch. Today, Thor Ragnarok. Hey, hey, movie maniacs, my name is Sky, and I'm joined once again by my brother Dusty, but he does have kind of a gravelly voice, but he wasn't going to give up. He's doing the podcast no matter what, because that's what heroes do, right, Dust? <laughs> Absolutely. Now, you were not adopted, were you? You weren't like a, an ice an ice giant or anything like that? I do not believe so, but if I wake up someday to be an ice giant, to have mind travel or mind uh, mind control powers, I, I wouldn't be uh, too bummed about that. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I, yeah I'm, I'm super excited that um, I'm here with you doing the podcast. I really enjoyed doing the podcast, and I know all the listeners, hopefully they enjoy it. Obviously, they keep listening, so they enjoy it. But uh, yeah, so how, how are you doing? I, I know that recently... Um, you picked up my dad, uh, or sorry, my dad, our dad from the airport. Um, uh, we went, um, hot air balloon riding. And that's something that I will talk about last episode. We went to Sedona, which is absolutely beautiful, huge red rocks, um, mountains everywhere. We went hot air balloon riding and that was super, super awesome. So I'll definitely make sure that we get pictures inside the show notes of that. Perfect, man. Yeah. When I talked to him after the airport last night, um, he absolutely loved it. He said that was one of the funnest things he'd ever done. And, uh, you know, what's weird. I mean, he took a short little flight from Los Angeles to here, like a connector flight and he actually arrived 25 minutes early. How does, how does that happen on a flight? I don't know. (laughs) And usually they leave on time. You know, if you leave too early, nobody, unless everybody's already in the plane, but that's, that's just weird. But yeah, you or anybody listening, if you've never done a hot air balloon ride, I would definitely recommend one. Uh, it's super, super fun. Um, I even have video that I could hopefully get on the website so you can see us taking off and then flying in the air. It, you know, a couple times my stomach kind of goes to my throat. Like I almost feel like, and I'm not actually falling over, but just my brain, like it's not that I'm scared of heights. It's that just all of a sudden some something in me kind of feels like, man, I could almost go over right now. And it's it's just super cool. I gotcha. Did the, was it uh, any turbulence? Was there any turbulence? Did the basket do any lurching or anything? Was it a, or was it a smooth flight? So what's super interesting is you don't get turbulence because you're literally riding on the air. You don't go up and go back down to the same spot. Like you can't steer it. It just goes wherever the wind takes you. And so you are with the wind. So you don't have turbulence. That makes a lot of sense. Awesome, man cool beans well you know one of these days i will take the family here uh i think madera you know just a little ways away from here i think they do a lot of hot air ballooning there so we'll give that a shot one day there you go and of course bring dad along so he gets a second experience oh man yeah he had a great time (laughs) oh you know what he said too he said that going up there made him want to now do skydiving and then so i'm thinking he and i and maybe even denise definitely when the boys are 18 we want to take them both skydiving but maybe sometime in the near future take dad skydiving let me know when you do i'd want to go i I love skydiving that's a lot of fun Okay, sweet, man. We will. Alrighty, well, let's get away from the family stuff. No more Fresno, no more Arizona talk. Let's talk space, and specifically, Sakaar and Thor Ragnarok. I absolutely love this movie. I do not know. I can't even give you a number of how many times I've seen it. It has to be over 15 times, probably because, potentially because it's on Netflix, but I also bought it when it first came out on Amazon. Seen it tons of time with the kids, the wife. We all love this movie. And it was really good watching it again. I've never watched it up until now to actually look for lessons and and to look for things to take away from the movie. I've basically always just watched it to have fun, to enjoy the story of Thor, Thor and Hulk interactions, more Loki stuff, the Grand Master. I mean, there's so much Valkyrie. There's so much to love about this movie and there's so much going on really i mean we could talk so much about this this one show that it would take a lot of time because there's so many different things like the storytelling is super fun and it's a fun show to watch a a fun movie it's enjoyable to watch there's action but there's also humor Um, i just really really thoroughly enjoy everything about the movie i don't think there was one thing oh when I first watched it, I thought it might be a little too slapstick comedy, like where he throws the ball and comes back and hits him in the head. You know, something like that. I'm like, oh, that's just a little too much. But, you know, after I have watched it now like the 20th time, I, it just makes me laugh and I just kind of move on. But it was really, really good. And you get to see where Hulk went and why Hulk and Thor were not there for the, uh, uh, what was it? 
um, Civil War, you know, because mm-hmm. they, they would actually do a lot of damage if they were a part of it. Yeah, super, super fun to watch that. Without a doubt it was. And uh, one thing definitely, like this movie stands out as a Taika Waititi movie. I've seen a couple of his other movies in the past. And he is such a, he's such a comedic presence on when he's on film, definitely. Uh, in this movie, he's Korg, of course, the voice of Korg. But then just his directing style. And he's not listed as one of the writers, but I bet he had a ton of input into the character of Thor and the other characters and their interactions and stuff that I'm sure a lot of the this, the humor that came out of the script came from his uh discussions with the directors and producers and where they wanted to take it and i think it was such a good idea bringing and bringing in these kinds of directors um you know like this is a it's this movie stands out from all the other 22 movies this is its own thing and it's all because of the director and the writers of course following his lead on it and i just love the fact that marvel lets their creative forces do what they need to to make a good movie yeah and i like we talked about in endgame avengers endgame I'm looking forward to Guardians of the Galaxy 3 because you have Thor there. Hopefully, Tika Waititi is going to be there, a part of that whole, you know, um, either collaborative process. And you have James Gunn back on. Super enjoyable. I love, I think Thor is one of my more favorite characters as well as um, uh, uh, Quill, Peter Quill. And the Guardians are just, just terrific. So I'm super looking forward to that. But I'm really glad we got to go back and do Thor Ragnarok. Now, Sky... How many planets have you been on? Uh, zero or one. <laughs> zero. One well, up to this point. It's, How about yeah, you? Yes, at that question when, <laughs> when it came up with anything between Thor and Hulk, I'm on another planet. You've been on planets before. Yeah, one. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, it's another one. You're, you're growing. That's good. <laughs> That's right. It's a good experience. You're growing. You're right about that. So um, I like the way it started with Thor in a cage and he's doing the little monologue. Oh no, Thor's in a cage. What happened here? And things like that. And then yeah, it kind of started off. You kind of think he's going to do a fourth wall break and he's actually talking to the audience. You get that sense at first. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't play out that way, but obviously super strong. Now I got to go directly to what I want to, my brain thinks about now at the very, very end, we see Thanos's ship come and that's when he's going to take the uh, the stone from him uh the tesseract from loki and that's when avengers infinity war starts now if that had still been on asgard and it was like maybe four days earlier that um, thanos went to asgard and she um uh hella was there and thanos had to fight um hella what do you think would happen between thanos and hella that is such an interesting question i've never thought of that before he would have beaten her you think so there's something about thanos he can defeat anybody although actually come to think of it they're on her planet on asgard where she draws her power from possibly he wouldn't have been able to beat her but oh he had the power stone by that time so it's possible because he was going to Asgard or or Thor's ship in order to get the space stone. He had the power stone. He probably would have beat her with that. Hmm, that's a good point. With that that power stone would definitely help him to go over the edge because with as strong as Hela was. Now that's the one little, I guess, um, thing that I didn't care about in in with Hela. Hela was literally unstoppable unless you had a huge giant. Now, if Thor is supposed to be stronger than Odin, how in the world can he not beat Hela when Thor uh, uh, Odin was able to lock Hela away, you know, in hell and keep her away for that many, you know, 1500 years cuz that's how old Thor was, like Thor didn't even know about her and all that stuff like it's just rather interesting how powerful she was. And I was kind of thinking, man, like there is even um, a part in the first fight scene where she's fighting the Asgardians and one of them puts a spear literally through her, but it did no damage to her. So yeah. it's like she's so super strong. It doesn't get hurt. How in the world can you defeat her? Yeah, I don't know. That's a tough question. And my guess is she probably ruled alongside Odin for thousands of years. I don't. I don't recall them saying a time frame. So she's had so much more time with her powers that maybe, you know, she just has better control. She has better knowledge of fighting. She can do more one-on-one battles and take out people. Whereas Thor, he could do all that. But up until this movie, he's always thought it was his hammer that really he got his power from. Sure. He was, uh, 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 what's the word? 
worthy of lifting the hammer. But it wasn't until his father, in that little flashback or whatever you call that, he realized that he's the god of thunder, not the god of hammers, and he has the power within himself. So up until this point, he just thought everything was in his hammer, and without his hammer, he's probably mentally defeated himself already. I bet you, given, like, let's say let's say they escaped and he came back to Asgard, and they didn't use Surtur to destroy Asgard and create Ragnarok, I bet you he could have come back and defeated her with the knowledge he had about his powers, you know, one or two years down the road. Hmm, that's interesting. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Now, thinking... As the progression of the story goes, yeah, I really liked how Loki was taken over as Odin, like that whole thinking. And you can tell just personality wise, Loki was acting not like Odin would when he was, you know, impersonating Odin. But did you see the cameo in that scene? Uh, you're talking about Matt Damon? Matt Damon. <laughs> so yep. this was my second favorite movie of his that he's been in. You know what my first favorite movie is of his? Uh, I think you've mentioned it before, probably Team America. Team America. He was <laughs> so good in Team Matt, Matt Damon. Yep. He's, he's, he's brilliant in that movie. He killed it in that role. You're right. He sure, sure did. <laughs> now, but I, I really liked how, you know, the, the, the nuances of this movie, things that, man, you have to be super creative to come up with, like Loki putting on plays for himself and locking away Odin. You have to go back to Earth and now you meet Doctor Strange and, oh, so Earth has wizards now and things like that. It's I like that whole scene with Doctor Strange and Thor and all that. I thought that was really great interchange. Oh, without a doubt it was. It was it was a good introduction. Or I guess you finally get to see Doctor Strange like interacting with somebody else other than the various sorcerers that he's interacted with. You know, first time we've seen him interact with others. And it was a good introduction to him. Um, I don't want to say into the MCU, but now he's a part of the collective heroes that we know. Yeah, definitely. And I thought it was rather fun watching him. And then Loki, you know, he... Uh, just everything about it. It was really, really fun. And then, oh, and then Jane dumping him, like them bringing that up in the story. Like that was really, oh, it was a mutual dumping. It's just yeah. really, really good. Um, everything about that. Now I want to quickly move into the, um, scene with Hela coming or Odin leaving, Hela coming and then Loki and Thor fighting answer. Did you see it coming that Hela would destroy M- Mjolnir? Oh, no. Uh, the first time it happened, I mean, I didn't know what would happen. You've got to assume it's basically the beginning of the movie still. She's going to be the big bad. You know that she's going to defeat them right now. I, I I, would just along for the ride. I remember the first time watching it, just not knowing what's going to happen. Oh, my gosh. Hell is right there. You know, we've got two of our heroes, Loki and Thor, going to battle her. What's going to happen? Uh, no, I had no idea what would happen. I mean, who would have ever guessed that he would lose his hammer, dude? I mean, Mjolnir's been Mjolnir and Thor. They are uh, they go together like um, um, I don't know, rice and orange chicken. You know, I there mean, you, go. <laughs> you cannot separate them. Uh, but then this movie did, and they they pulled it off so masterfully. And I loved how I don't know that they actually planned it so that they could go get Stormbreaker for Infinity War. Or if Infinity War wrote that in because they broke it in um, in Ragnarok. But I thought it was a great way to kind of uh, turn the tables on our hero. And now he's, he's without his greatest weapon. What is going to happen? How can he overcome this? And I like how they pulled off the entire story by the end. It could be that because Feige, um, he's like the you know executive person over everything. Um, he knows the arc of the entire storyline and he knew that Stormbreaker would come in and it could be, Hey guys, this is what's going to happen. Stormbreaker is going to come in in affinity war, go ahead and destroy the hammer. It could be something like that. I don't think that they would have just destroyed the hammer without having the possibility of Stormbreaker coming in. Cause that's an actual um, hammer. That yeah. Gets, that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, I, I thought that was really, really good. And then Loki taking them back all the way to Asgard. And that's how Hela gets there. I super, super love. And I remember you brought this up. Like it was, it was a little while ago and a few uh, podcast shows ago. So Hela is standing there looking at all the Asgardians, looking at her, all the army, all the warriors, and they're ready to battle. And she goes, 
it appears to me that you don't know who I am. And she goes on this big spiel about who she is and how she's the, you know, right person for the throne, all that stuff. And then, um, I think his name is like Hogan. Hogan goes, whoever you are, <laughs> you go back to whatever. Did you not just hear a word that I just said? <laughs> I know. So incredibly so funny, huh? <laughs> I love that scene. That made me laugh the first time I saw it. And the guy, the guy who plays Hogan, he's saying it so straightforward. Like, he was he was just standing there looking at her, assessing her capabilities, and his in his mind the whole time he was waiting to speak. You know, he didn't want to, like he had he had the um the uh, the manners to not interrupt her. But as soon as he was, as soon as she was done, it was his time to speak. And now he's going to say what he wanted to say. That that's contrast to in Avengers: Affinity War when you have the um uh the sons of Thanos come down. What was the skinny guy that has the the magical powers? What's his name? Uh, Corvus, oh, uh, the Black Maw, uh, the Maw, the Maw. Maw. So the Maw's talking, and then uh, Stark interrupts him. I'm sorry, Earth's closed today. You know, it's like, like, I don't even need to hear you. Get out of here. And so in contrast, you have Hogan basically just waiting patiently, whoever you are. (laughs) It's like, it's so good. Now, when she battled all the Asgardians, she literally took them all out with swords that fly out of her body. I mean, she is like one of the most powerful beings that you would see in all of the Marvel Universe up to Thanos. It's just that crazy how powerful she is. Oh, it's amazing, man. And nobody ever talks about, you know, everyone says, hey, what kind of superpower would you want? Oh, stop time. Oh, invisibility. Oh, flight. No one ever says swords coming out of my sphincter, you know? <laughs> I mean, nobody ever says that, but that's a pretty darn, if you're a battle, like a battle-hardened warrior, that is a great power to have. I mean, you literally don't need any weapon, like swords and things come out of every part of you and you're always ready. And so that is super, super cool. Now, moving from there, I love how they transition to this garbage world. I had no clue about a garbage world and and the Grand Master and all that sort of stuff. I had no clue about that. So that was so fun to learn about that, the the um, Tournament of Champions and all of that. What did you think about that whole, you know, it's probably a good third of the movie that's inside the the garbage area. Oh yeah, I absolutely loved it. The whole the whole second uh section, uh what do you call those? Second scenes? act. Scenes, not scenes. Act. What do you what do you act? Act. The second act took place on Sakar. And uh, honestly, I've never I've never known. I've read a, a ton of the comics. I was never a big fan of Thor, but and I kind of know who the Grandmaster was, but I've never heard of Sakaar, so I don't know if these places were created for the movie or not. Um, the Grandmaster is a Marvel Comics character, but it was really cool having this, uh, well, you know, this, this brand new uh, uh, character like the Grandmaster come in, manipulating things. He's controlling, for lack of a better word, kind of controlling, or he influences his champion Hulk, and he, through, the, through those little electronic... Uh, electrocution things can control really strong characters get them do what they want he doesn't call them uh uh slaves they're they're prisoners with jobs uh that's just it's it's such a good stuff and i really like the whole aspect and speaking of the garbage world it looked great everything in his realm looked awesome beautiful colors when we talk about the space stuff all the different characters and just the background actors were wearing cool costumes and stuff the look the overall look of this movie was beautiful the stuff that took place in outer space as well as the stuff on that planet and on asgard they outdid themselves with set design and a lot of the graphic elements in this one yeah, the colors on this were fantastic. Now, I can't help to think, is the movie good or is it just because Jeff Goldblum is in it that's good? Jeff Goldblum probably adds 5% to it. Or yeah. I shouldn't say 5%, but I mean, if you'd give this one a 90, when you throw him in, it's a 95 easily. A plus. Maybe even more. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Just throw him in there. And he's, and he's not... Um, you know, like the Jurassic Park Jeff Goldblum. He's more of the happy-go-lucky Jeff Goldblum. But it's the same Jeff Goldblum in your yeah. way. He's the same same person in every single movie that he, yeah, that he I plays. Think, well, I remember watching The Fly a long time ago. I would say that he's quite different in that. But besides that, anything after... Uh, Jurassic Park, like you said, he is Jeff Goldblum. If you hire him for your movie, you 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 hire him because you want Jeff Goldblum. You don't want him to portray um, random Grandmaster dude. You know, you want him to be Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, I thought it was super cool. Now I saw this was before I I was listening to you and stopped watching the trailers, so I knew that Hulk was going to fight Thor. That that was and I but I wish I so wish 
I did not know that from the trailers beforehand that I just watched the movie and all of a sudden here comes Hulk out of nowhere. I wish that was the case. Uh, yeah, so do I actually, my, um, my, my boys know that I do not watch trailers or anything. When we were in the movie, whatever prior movie came out before Ragnarok, we were all watching it together. The Thor trailer came up. I closed my eyes. I put my fingers in my ears. I started humming a tune, but then I hear Dalen next to me in the, in the trailer. You hear this gigantic roar and then Dalen goes, it's the Hulk (laughs) sitting next to me. So he ruined that. I would not have known other than him saying it's the Hulk. Oh man! Yeah. You're doing a spoiler, <laughs> spoiler alert. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you know, I don't. I didn't know that there was going to be this new character, Valkyrie. I didn't know that there was going to be Grandmaster and Jeff Goldblum. Um, oftentimes, when I'm in a movie theater, they have movie posters up on the walls and stuff. I try to glaze over them with my eyes. I try not to really look at them to look at the characters to understand their costumes to get an idea if they're good or bad that kind of thing. So I had no idea. Hella. Jeff Goldblum were in this movie at all. Or Valkyrie, like I said, either. Yeah. I thought the character casting, everything worked out very, very well. I, in, and I mentioned this in Avengers um, Endgame, that the one of my favorite lines is, yes, I know him. He's a friend from work. I thought that was a brilliant line. But I mentioned that that was not written in the script. That was a kid who was actually sick. He was sick and visiting the, you know, it's kind of like a, I don't know. What do they call it? Make-A-Wish Foundation? Exactly. Make-A-Wish Foundation where you had a kid come and visit because he was sick and get to enjoy being around everybody. And then he actually had that line. Hey, you should tell him he's a friend from work. And so that put it – and that was like one of the best lines in the movie. So I love that whole fight scene where a Hulk actually loses, but he gets – Thor gets zapped. But here's my thought. How in the world can that one little zapper zap Thor to where he passes out? That just – it does seem like that would actually hurt – um, uh, Thor at all. What do you think? Yeah, uh, I'm just kind of accepting that because it's something outside of his control, shocking him internally with electricity. I'm just accepting the fact that it incapacitates him. I mean, he is the God of Thunder. Maybe eventually he can learn to to control that electricity cor- electricity coursing through him. But in the three or four times that he was zapped in this movie, it makes sense that he can't control it just yet. Yeah. Yeah, I just think, you know, being as powerful, like, could you throw that on Hela and it work for Hela? Or could you throw that on Thanos and would it work for Thanos? You know, it's just, it's kind of like, uh, but you're right. Just accepting because it makes it more fun. That's how he got, you know, put into the Tournament of Champions and all that good stuff. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, and what you just said kind of reminded me of uh, nitpicking. Like last movie, I accused you of nitpicking over Endgame, you know, over little things. And and nitpicking is something that I watch uh, quite a few different YouTube channels and stuff where people kind of review movies and give their thoughts on it. And a lot of people, people just nitpick the smallest things, but I think I'm really good at ignoring that stuff, kind of accepting a lot of those things. And, and those nitpicks, it annoys me when I hear them and I can kind of sometimes see them and I can understand what they're talking about. But for a lot of stuff, for a lot of movies, I mean, this is a movie we're watching. We're watching gods and hulks and gigantic garbage planets. I mean, there's got to be some acceptance there. And a lot of those small nitpicking things, I'm just able to throw away and just, just accept it. And I'm able to move on and enjoy movies more because of it. I could absolutely see that. And I'm right there with you. And so we can nitpick it. But again, I, I've said this many times. I'm super not creative. So there's no way that I would come up with anything better. So I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy um, Thor Ragnarok. Now, thinking of now battling um, Hulk, where he actually beats Hulk, which is super interesting. I know that's always we always have questions or thoughts like who would beat who like if thor beat or thor fought hulk would he who would win and but it's really cool now we can see how somebody interprets that um in in a movie and we can you know kind of get that answer taken out like who would win apparently thor would win yeah and i think it's uh i think the reason is because he has so much more fighting experience and fighting training and he knows how to fight one-on-one thor seems like just a big bruiser uh, when people first first watched Infinity War, they were shocked that, that um, uh, Thanos beat the Hulk. But it makes sense because he's just as physically imposing, just as strong. But because he can block punches and and, and land blows and counterattack and stuff, it makes sense that he could beat um, Hulk. The same thing as Thor beating Hulk right there because they maybe have equal strength. Um, but those fighting skills are super important. And being a bruiser is good if you're up against another bruiser, you know. 
Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, I really like how he found out. Oh, and we, we know he found out that he, or when he did first find out Thor, that he had the ability to have sparkle fingers. Like that's when the first time that he had electricity come through him as opposed to the hammer. And so that was, oh, watch out for his fingers. They make spark. (laughs) Really, really good. But when he's fighting Hulk, he really comes into his own and that's when the electricity flows through him. And it, um, uh, Chris Hemsworth, I, he's just a great actor. Um, did a really good job showing that, Hey, he's really finding this out for the first time. Loved every bit of that fight scene with Hulk. Oh, 100%. He is incredible. And he also showed it not just in this movie, but in um, Infinity War and in Endgame. Like, from what I understand from different interviews I saw with the directors and writers, um, Chris Hemsworth was totally down for playing Fat Hulk and taking that character in the direction that he did. And in a lot of times in both of those movies, you see some real emotion coming out of Chris Hemsworth. Um, he's a really good-looking guy, really smart, really buff, and he can act his butt off, and I really like him. I mean, I think I'll go see any movie from this point forward. If Chris Hemsworth is in it, that's a reason to go see the movie. Did you go see Red Dawn, or did you see the new Red Dawn with him in it? No, I didn't. <laughs> you didn't? No, no, wow. because uh, because how can you beat Red Dawn, the, well, the original one from the 80s? How can well, you do you, any better than it? You absolutely can't. You can't beat it at all, ever. But they did an okay job. Like Hemsworth was pretty decent. He wasn't he, like Patrick Swayze wasn't the big part in it. Uh, he was a character in it. He wasn't like the print, um, the whole revolver on him. Anyways, that was a good movie. Um, but I wanted to switch to why in the world did they have a fake infinity gauntlet inside of the Asgardian vault? You know, the weapons vault. Why was that fake gauntlet that she pushes over? It says fake. Like, why was that there? Uh, well, I can tell you from a movie creation standpoint why. Go ahead. Well, for the movies, it was in one of the prior scenes in, um, you know, that's that's Odin's uh, trophy room, whatever it was called. The gauntlet with the stones was in a prior movie. I don't remember which one, probably part one. And that, But you need to explain why that is there and how it is that Thanos is actually going trying to accumulate the stones when it's they're all right there. All he has to do is go to Asgard to get it. So that's why they had to put that in. But who knows why actually Odin would want that within his chamber like that. Well, that, that doesn't make sense because Thanos just made the gauntlet. So the gauntlet didn't even appear anytime. Like it was literally just made. He hadn't had any stones in it yet. And then just recently he like after Ragnarok, that's when Thor or uh, Thanos went to um, whatever that world was for guardians of the galaxy and took that stone. Anyways, it just, it's way premature. Like it wasn't, it wasn't even in anybody's mind when Ragnarok was there. Like why it, it just, I think honestly, in my opinion, it's a mistake movie making wise because just in the timeline, it literally doesn't even exist. Nobody would even have thought of it. Oh, you're right. Yeah, because the stones hadn't been gathered up to that point and put in a gauntlet at any time for even Thanos to get the idea to do that. Like Thanos was the first one to with the idea to create a gauntlet. You're right about that. Yeah, so that, that was just really weird. I think they were just like showing I, – I don't know if they completely knew exactly storyline what they're going to be doing with everything, um, creating Infinity Gauntlet, uh, Infinity War and Endgame and all that sort of stuff. I think they just put that in for people who love the comics and say, hey, let's just put this in there like the Infinity Gauntlet because people know about it. Let's put it in there. I think that's why they did it, but there's no other reason. That, that was just kind of like, huh. At, you know, at the first time when I first saw it, I was like, oh, I know the Infinity Gauntlet. Okay, that's what it is. But now everything, it just doesn't play out. But oh, well, we can move on from there now yeah, you're you're right about that so that i think that is the reason why they put it in the first movie but because it was in that first movie now they have to explain it and this is their explanation in ragnarok like eight years later or whatever the time frame is yeah between movies i need to bring up a song that i thought would have played in the first two thor movies but it comes in thor ragnarok now that is the immigrant song by um led zeppelin Super awesome, fun song, and it's perfect for. I mean, we hear it two times. One where he's fighting the um, uh, skull, the Serta, fighting Serta, and all those people, um, or the, his his little red uh, fire guys. Uh-huh. And then when he comes down after lightning bolt blasting Hella, 
jumps out of there and starts, um, you know, beating all the old dead Asgardians. Super fun. And that gets like my, my boys, they get so pumped up when they hear that song. Like when we go to flag football games, when we're getting ready for the game, I play that song for them to get pumped up for the game. And so they love that song. But I really think it was because the first two movies got Led Zeppelin to say, okay, now you can finally use my song. And now it fits perfectly here in Ragnarok. Yeah, it was a great choice, and I think Marvel, uh, they do a pretty darn good choice, not not just with the songs that they choose, but with the scores, all the different Alan Silvestri stuff. Now, I don't know who did the score for this movie, but it's a beautiful-sounding movie, a lot of the score, and a lot of the synth music I liked as well, along with that Immigrant song. I think music and score add such a great element um, to every good movie. You need to have that stuff for most good movies, and I think they pulled it off in this one for sure, and I agree with you. That Immigrant song is awesome. Awesomely used. Uh, yeah, I wanted to, you know, the first two movies, I was like, man, they, this is the song, but they never did. Really, really loved it. And they played it really, really well. And when you see him flying through the sky with the lightning bolts and the dead Asgardians coming after him, you see that it just, it was really perfect. Like, well, well done. And the movie itself, like the, the, the storytelling and the director really gets you engrossed in it. I loved that whole scene. Totally. 100%. How he just wakes up to his power, brings the biggest lightning blast ever down on Hela, and it actually doesn't do anything to her. It was a great scene. Yeah, absolutely. What did you think about Carl Urban playing Scourge? I really like Carl Urban, but I thought his character of Scourge was kind of... Um, I wasn't a big fan of his character. I was happy when he died in the end. I like how he did kind of make a turn and fought against Hela, but he seems like the kind of guy that, um, it seems like kind of a throwaway character. Why would you use such a good actor on such a crummy character, in my opinion? He was the one thing that I wasn't a big fan of in this movie. I absolutely agree with you. I didn't like his character one bit, and... uh... He's a but good But maybe actor. that's the intention. Like, they want you to not like him. He's like this slimy little toad bowing to Hela and foregoing or uh, uh, turning his back on his own people. But maybe they succeeded because we both didn't like him. <laughs> they sure did. But here's two thoughts. Uh, or I don't know if it's two. But anyways, track with me on this. So Hela is the daughter of Odin. She technically, and Thor admits, that the, the crown, like, she... It's hers. Like, it goes right to her. And so when she comes, she kills those two guys, um, two of the um, uh, Thor's guys. And then he realizes, hey, I'm going to die. And then also realizes that she actually has claim to the throne. So I'm going to go along with her. And so obviously self-preservation is number one. But number two, this is the rightful queen of Asgard. So he's not really going against his people. They just don't want the new queen. They want Thor for whatever reason. And so... uh, I, I'm kind of like, you know, I'm kind of on the fence with yeah, if Scourge was in the right or in the wrong. I don't know if he was in, necessarily in the wrong. That's an interesting thought. I mean, you got to do what your king or in this case, queen or whatever you'd call her, uh, what your majesty tells you to do. But man, it just feels wrong. She's willing to kill her own people. That in itself tells me that that, that she's not worth following, that he was doing the wrong thing there. Um, and it, it's tough. I mean, you don't want to die with your people. But, I mean, I, 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 I don't know. Morally, I think he was on the wrong side. But maybe, um, technically, by the letter of the law, by Asgardian law, he was doing the right thing, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So, I thought one other thing about Scourge when he had Dez and Troy, <laughs> I yeah. thought that was super cool. I'm really creative. But now here's here's one thing that is kind of um, just st- kind of sticks in the back of my brain. So if Asgardians, all these people would have went to Earth and Earth had to fight against them, machine guns or any type of firearms from um, Earth would not work. Like just the storytelling. Like Think of Avengers, the first Avengers. That like it, it only took... It took the heroes, the um, uh, Marvel heroes, to actually win. All of the humans, with all of their rockets and uh, guns and everything, could not hurt him at all. Like it didn't do any damage to him. But here, now, if he had, now, if everybody had machine guns, they would literally just destroy everybody. And so, anyways, that was just a little nuance. I like that. Hey, this is an Amer- uh, like an uh, American thing or like a, a Earth thing that we bring firearms from there. But at the same time, I'm like, man, anytime anybody comes from there to Earth, the, the firearms would not work. So what are your thoughts? 
Yeah, I'm thinking what like I guess not all as guardians are like Odin or Thor. Uh, they're not all powerful. Maybe they are just regular people for the most part, and some of them are born with crazy powers, just like here on Earth, maybe. Maybe, yeah. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know that they ever explained it. I don't know that every Asgardian has super strength or super durability and stuff. Well, it's, um, not, it's not necessarily that. It's um, that those, th- those were the dead Asgardians that came mm-hmm. back to life, and he's shooting them, and they're dying. And so... More than likely, if they came to Earth, those guns would not work if it was a movie where they came to Earth. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, I see. Yes, I see what you're saying. Totally. If they were coming to Earth, we wouldn't be able to defend ourselves with guns. We'd have to look for stronger weapons or stronger people. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that was one thing. Other thing was, to if you're watching the him shooting, there's two things you can see. Number one, there are times where there's no mag, uh, magazine or bullet casings flying out of the um, the rifles. That's one. And number two, the casing eject port. So on the right side where the bullet casings fly out of, those are literally closed. And when you fire it, they open up so it shoots out. You close it when you're not using it so no dust gets in there. When you fire, it opens up automatically and bullet casings fly out. So I just noticed that being, you know, I, I, I'm into firearms. And so I noticed that. I was like, huh, somebody who is, um, you know, doing the props, they might not, or the storytelling or whatever, they don't have that necessarily that technical thinking in mind. Yeah, that's interesting. It's one of those things in movies where you, I think everybody who watches this, I think everyone thinks to themselves, man, that's a lot of bullets in those guns. We never see him reloading, you know? So it's just one of those things that the, the, the movie director, and the editors and all the guys, they just decide, you know, screw it. We're just going to just just believe that he has this many bullets in the gun and we're just going to let it work, even though it feels weird. And as soon as you see him shooting that gun for longer than five seconds holding the trigger down, you know that that gun would be spent in real life so that I, it, it kind of pulls you out of the movie when you see him using a gun, how normally, logically, we know guns can't work that way. That's a good point. It really pulled me out of the movie when I saw him fire. It's a, those are 30 round magazines. And so they only have 30 rounds. So you 60 total, but he was just shooting everybody. And so eventually it runs out, which is good. But yeah, it kind of pulled you out of the movie a little bit. And that was a little, um, for some reason, Hollywood thinks they know firearms, but they really don't. They always call them clips instead of magazines and things like that. But oh well, I put my brain back in there because it still has Jeff Goldblum in it. So it makes it a good movie. Yeah, 100% it does. <laughs> All right. So do you got some lessons for us? I sure do. Cool. So, What's your first lesson? My first lesson is tell your kids everything they need to know before you die. Uh, not, not wait 1,500 years and then when you're about to die, only tell them a couple things. Uh, your sister's coming and she's going to you know, destroy everything. Okay, mm-hmm. bye. Like, yeah. be more talkative. Be more loqua- uh, loquacious. Is that the right or Loquacious, yes. Yeah. Like get it all out right to say this is what's going to happen to blah 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 blah. you're going to not prepare them and you're going to make sure that they're going to lose if you don't do that so that's my first lesson make sure my kids know everything i agree with you there and you've talked about that lesson or we have quite a few times in different movies where communication is key so many problems in movies would be solved if the characters just communicated and this is probably one of those instances yeah absolutely Yeah, yeah. So right along with that, my first lesson is don't pick a fight with an unknown. Um, Whether it's a street fight or you're going into the ring against somebody who you've never seen fight before or you're Thor and Loki willing to fight um, this this woman that was obviously power enough powerful enough for odin to lock away forever don't pick a fight with her right away she's probably really strong you don't know her capabilities you think you're good but man once once the once the fists start flowing and the knives start shooting out of her rectum um you you're in deep trouble right there rectum and nearly killed him (laughs) exactly man (laughs) that's a good a good point like never um think yourself better than other people or you know don't overlook an opponent yeah i think that's Great, great point. So yeah, yeah. my second point is don't fight with coworkers. Mm. So you're talking about like Hulk and Thor? 
Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Don't fight with coworkers. Mm-hmm. It's going to make the work environment bad. You're going to say, Hey, are we, are we cool? Like, yeah. Oh yeah, I guess so. And so, and then you're going to have to see somebody's butt naked walking around. That's, that's just right. not good. Yeah. Don't, don't fight with coworkers. No, that's good. That's a good one for sure. Yeah. You can argue with them, you know, have spirited debates and stuff, but as long as you're on friendly terms, you know? Yeah, I like yep. where Thor goes, oh, hook in a hot tub. And he gets out of the hot tub. He's like, oh, that's that's in my brain now. Yeah, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yep, absolutely. Uh, my second lesson is accept your circumstances and move forward. And basically all feelings of anger or frustration, all negative free feelings, they basically come from non-acceptance because you don't whatever happened to you in the past you just can't accept you got to a car wreck and now your car is destroyed and now you're you're miserable because of it but it happened in the past now you got to move forward and this just this idea came to me because banner was freaking out because he was two years as the hulk and all of a sudden he was on another planet he just could not accept his situation he was freaking out because of it the sooner you accept it and get over it the sooner you can move on and move forward good point good point Mm -hmm. Okay, my third life lesson is life is about growth. It's about change. And I learned that when Thor and Loki, where Loki tries to do the exact same thing, tries to lure his trust, Thor's trust over to him, and then he betrays him, even though Loki's not doing it on a personal note. Um, It's just because he wants to preserve himself. Um, And so Thor learns. He realizes, hey, you know, I've grown and I know he's going to do this. This is what he does. He's a god of mischief and he's just going to do that and I'm going to protect myself. So I thought that was a great, great, great thing that Thor helped me to learn. Oh, absolutely. I like that lesson a lot. And I got from that exact same situation, I got a different lesson. My third lesson is kill them with kindness. So Thor continuously forgives and tries to get Loki on his side, tries to work with Loki. Uh, And eventually Loki kind of comes around to this and now he's a force for good. You know, he helped him get all the Asgardians off the planet. He brought um, the ship along with Korg and everyone else to Asgard to help them out, you know? So I think the all the years of kindness and Thor explaining Loki, I thought you and I would fight side by side forever. All that kind of stuff, killing Loki with kindness eventually turned the tide and Loki changed as a person for it. That's a great point. That's a really, really good point. I, I also like when Korg finds the remote for that shocker thing, turns it off and Loki gets up and he, and he goes to him, hey, you, you want to come with us? We're going to get on the big ship. He goes, you guys look like you're in dire need of leadership. And Cor goes, why, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> like, How in the world do you say thank you to that? Yep. That's so funny. <laughs> uh, he's great. Korg is an awesome character. I really like the way Taika Waititi, just his New Zealand accent works really well with that character. And that's one of the things I really like about these movies. Um, other than Captain Marvel, when she... Uh, went up to the security guard and said is my um, universal translator working i really like how everyone just naturally speaks english and it's something that we're not nitpicking we're just kind of getting behind because it propels the story forward everybody speaks whatever language they have whatever accent they have and it's totally fine there's no need to question that. and that's one of the things i really like about these movies yeah definitely alien <laughs> beings and people from other dimensions and they all speak english baby <laughs> you sure do well when you think of the last starfighter that's the first one that you know um i can't remember the main guy's name but the main character gets that chip in him that helps him to translate everybody else's language that was pretty mm-hmm. good. yep yep okay so let's move on to the monday morning quarterback what is your monday morning quarterback for thor ragnarok It's very simple. After the battle, do not put the Lord of Thunder, who almost beat your champion, and he's admitted to be old friends with your champions, don't put them in the same room after their fight because who knows what can happen. He can turn your champion against you. He could escape or whatever the case is. I mean, throw that guy back in that weird, freaky, circular dungeon again. Not put him with your champion. That is a great point. I never thought about that. Like, why in the world is Thor with Hulk? Like, why did Hulk, or did Hulk say, hey, put him in my room? Or that's just rather weird. Like, he, all of a sudden he wakes up and he's in there. That's just, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, that's what they needed for the story to continue. But um, from the Grandmaster's perspective, nah, you separate these two for sure. So my Monday morning quarterback is, it goes, it's actually a lesson, but it's what I would do. Um, never gloat. And that is what Hela does with Thor. So Thor... She could literally just kill him right there when they're on the balcony. Oh, and you're right. Has, when she has his arm pinned down. Yeah. And said, mm-hmm. you know, what are you the God of again? And like, you're gloating. Literally just 
stab him. Like, like, I uh, remember Austin Powers where you have, um, uh, Seth. Scotty. Uh, Scotty. Yeah. Yeah. And you have, um, Dr. Evil. He's all literally, he's right there. Just, just shoot him. Just pop it. We'll do it together. Just, just shoot him. Just, <laughs> just stop talking. And Dr. Evil goes, Scott, you don't get it. You just don't. You yep. don't get it. This is what we <laughs> evil bad guys do. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. So she, if she didn't gloat, she would just stab at a knife and killed him and she would still be queen of Asgard. That's right. Loki would have never thrown Surtur's crown on the fire of forever, whatever it was called, and bring him back. You're right. Ragnarok would have never happened. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, yep. Um, so, so what is the movie prop that you'd like to take away from this one? So out of all the movies that had Thor in it, I haven't picked this, but absolutely has to be Mjolnir. Oh, nice. Definitely yeah, Mjolnir. I- I can't recall if I've chosen Mjolnir, but um, I really liked, we saw the Bifrost broadsword in action a couple times with Heimdall wielding it. And that thing is a monster, four foot long, gigantic thing, beautiful looking. I'll take the broadsword. Absolutely. That is a super, super awesome, (laughs) really cool sword, but it's huge. And one thing that I noticed was that he has it in a sheath around his back. But when he pulls it out to try to take it, he doesn't do it like you normally should. You have to keep pulling it out until the tip comes out. Yeah. It's like he just had it held behind his back, acted like it, and then just kind of flung it around. So yeah. that was Wouldn't one that be funny that- to see somebody try to pull a broadsword out? They have to lift it one foot, grab the blade, <laughs> lift it another foot, grab the blade, lift it another foot. <laughs> yeah, that's why broadswords are normally kept at your side. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that broadsword is super cool. But yeah, Mjolnir is just awesome. It is. Um, that, that was something I definitely would want. Yeah, I have a mini Mjolnir keychain that I, I like to, uh, you know, uh, play around at the computer or play around with at the computer every once in a while. Yeah. The only other thing that I was thinking of, because I know we did Thor, the very, very first Thor, we did that one. Um, I don't remember if I picked, um, I, I, I might have picked Mjolnir for it. Um, but the only other prop that I was thinking that would be fun to have is the melt stick. <laughs> the Grand oh, Scepter's big melt stick. Yeah. That would be super cool to have. Oh, that's a good that's a good idea. I didn't even think about that one for sure. Nice. Now, what is your favorite scene in the movie? Uh my favorite scene is probably um because I laughed so hard when I first heard it, it's it's the little part where Thor is telling the story of growing up with Loki transforming into a snake, transforming back and stabbing him. I just I thought that was just incredibly funny. I love that little scene. It gave you a good idea of what Loki was like as a kid, a little trickster, um, not only just a trickster, but kind of maybe psychotic, you know, stabbing him with a knife and and just how even though that has happened, Thor has loved him this entire time. He's treated him like brothers ever uh, like a brother ever since then of course um and i just i really like the whole uh, the the humor and then the character behind that scene as well that's a great point and one thing i want to bring up is with the end of endgame and now this one we have loki he basically becomes friends and becomes a good guy in end or uh, infinity war but he dies there now everything from um, Ragnarok and Infinity War and all that sort of stuff, that's what got Loki to turn around. At the end of the, the first Avenger, Loki was still a bad guy. But when you look to Endgame, Loki had not gone through all of that stuff to change him to be a good guy. He picks up the Tesseract, transports himself, so he's now free. But because of that, he is not a good guy anymore. He's a bad guy. So I think that's going to be a pretty cool plot point. It it will be interesting following the Loki. I think they mentioned it as like a Hulu TV series or Disney Plus TV series coming out soon. Um, and so that will I'll, I'll definitely be on board for that to see what he does. And I mean, if he's a bad guy trying to go through the universe, what is he? Is he going to be like, are we going to watch a guy try to take over another world or something? It's going to be really cool seeing Loki in his own thing. Yeah, I agree. Cool. Now, my favorite scene is... The Hulk and Thor fight scene. That's just like, I think the end fight scene is terrific too. Um, you know, everything about him fighting Serta was really, really cool. But for me, in my mind, the movie revolves around that fight scene. Like there's a beginning and there's an end, but everything is around that fight scene. And that's where I enjoyed it the most, that full fight scene. So that's my favorite. Yeah, I like that one a lot too. I'm glad you chose that. It's a good one. Cool beans. So uh, before we move on to us, oh, um, ultimately, what grade would you give this movie? I give it an A for sure. 
A is a great, great choice because I've seen it at least 10, 15 times. Um, and I only watch movies over again that I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy. I give it an A plus. Uh, without a doubt. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you there. A, a plus too. I, I could give it that as well. But I do have one question for you. So I'm thinking Endgame and Infinity War. Those were both really, really good movies but they're partially good or they're good partially due to the fact they're they're kind of like capstones and conclusions to this entire series of movies. Now, if somebody has never seen a Marvel movie, they don't know anything about these superheroes. They've never they've only seen commercials for Iron Man, but they never saw the movie. They know who Thor is, never saw the movie, all that stuff. What one movie out of the 22 would you recommend somebody to watch right now? I would not say Endgame or Infinity War. That's definitely not my recommendation. What would you recommend somebody to watch? That's a great, great question. For their first MCU movie after 22 have been released. After 22 have been released, I would personally have to say, and this is because of many different reasons. I won't go into all of them, um, but it's a fun, fun one to watch. In my opinion... It would be Guardians of the Galaxy. Me too. The exact same one. What? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a toss up between Guardians and Iron Man because Iron Man kicked off this whole thing. If you kind of ignore the Incredible Hulk, Iron Man was the beginning of it. If anybody is going to get on board, um, I think Iron Man could really help them. But I think Guardians of the Galaxy could as well because you have so many great characters, great humor, a great story with a pretty cool villain with some awesome battle scenes. I mean, Guardians has everything that you want out of not just a sci-fi movie but also a marvel superhero movie and you don't have to watch everything else before that you know yes. you don't have to watch all the other movies to pick up on any of it um and it would help but this has like it's all-encompassing movie that if you watch it you're gonna enjoy it yep 100 i agree with you there cool beans so uh before we before we end this puppy any last words about thor ragnarok anything we didn't cover i'm good to go Cool beans. So this one was your choice. And I'm so glad that you chose Guardians of the Galaxy as the one movie you'd recommend people to watch because that is my choice for the movie we're going to learn from next week. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1. What do you think of that? Yes, that sounds awesome. Let's do it. Sweet, man. I'm so looking forward to it. Well, um, for the audience, of course, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And now that you know how we feel about Ragnarok and Thor and the Valkyrie and the Grandmaster, all that jazz, we would love to hear your thoughts. And of course, not just your thoughts, but also any life lessons that you took away from the movie that we failed to mention. So please go to watchandlearnpodcast.com slash pod 47 to 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 leave your comment there view our life lessons watch the official trailer everything is right there on that page well alrighty then my name is sky and i'm dusty and we will return next week with guardians of the galaxy volume one Mm -hmm.